Welcome to BIB Today, the podcast from the news from a business in Vancouver. I'm Kurt LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. It's quite clear we need to get ready for a federal election, perhaps within days, certainly within weeks. It's not needed, of course, in this minority government, but it is wanted by the Liberals, who sense a majority in the office. For an understanding of public sentiment on any issue, we turn regularly to Mario Canseco. He's the president of Research Co. Public Opinion Research Firm. He writes and conducts research for us here at BIB and for our larger Glacier media chain, among other things that he does. Good to see you. Good to see you too. <laughs> uh, are there conditions there for a liberal majority government? At this stage, I think there are definitely conditions for a majority government. Uh, if the election becomes a referendum on the COVID-19 management, uh, similar to what we saw in British Columbia and in Saskatchewan last year, there's definitely a chance for the Liberals to gain more seats. Uh, the campaign can be very cumbersome, especially if we continue to have a situation related to the Delta variant where people are starting to question whether this is the right course of action. Um, but ultimately, it's really about the Conservatives trying to establish an emotional connection with voters. And that is going to be very difficult to do if the Liberals go from door to door reminding people that everybody who wanted to get a COVID-19 shot got one. So it's definitely going to be a campaign where they start from way behind, not only in the numbers, but also in the emotional connection that they need to establish with voters. Well, let's talk a bit about the public sentiments about the Prime Minister and and the other leaders. Um, there are negatives around all of them. What are the positives and negatives about Justin Trudeau at the moment, Mario? Well, we saw the numbers trending downwards uh, before the last federal election. The numbers just weren't there. There was no connection with the residents. We saw a lot of people who voted in 2015 to get rid of the Conservatives who sort of looked at other options differently in 2019. Uh, people who voted liberal and went NDP or went green or even went conservative. Uh, this time around, uh, the numbers have been quite surprising, and not only when it comes to his own uh, way of looking into the country and the way the country looks at him, but also related to the COVID-19 management. Uh, the promise of the vaccination uh, to be where it is at this particular stage is definitely going to help them. And I think it's definitely the largest asset that they have heading into the federal election. Uh, you can't really build a campaign on economic management or to try to discuss about certain things that were promised and weren't delivered, uh, such as electoral reform. Uh, but ultimately, um, if this becomes a question of who managed the COVID-19 pandemic well, and would you think you would be better off if the conservatives were in power, uh, that's definitely going to help. The other asset is the fact that uh, there's not a lot of people who know who Erin O'Toole is. Uh, the more we ask about him, the, his numbers tend to go a little bit more negative. So we haven't really seen a change. It's been consistently around a third of Canadians who say that they have a favorable view of him and what he has done as the leader of the Conservatives. Uh, those numbers haven't really changed, but that's why we have campaigns. You know, We started in 2015 with Justin Trudeau in third place, and he ended up becoming prime minister. So there's definitely a chance to move those numbers. I mean, I've, I've had uh, Aaron O'Toole on our podcast before, and I've asked him about that, about that gap that seems to be there where the party is actually not that unpopular, um, but he is not terribly popular yet. Uh, is that just a matter of Canadians needing to get to know him, or is there something a little deeper about 
what he stands for, what he's on the public record about, that you think might keep those numbers rather suppressed? Well, I think there's a couple of factors uh, that can play a role into the way people are looking at Erin O'Toole. One of them is uh, there seems to be a concerted effort to please all of the spectrum when it comes to the center-right politics in Canada. Mm -hmm. And when you wind up in a situation where you're trying to please everybody, you're going to wind up making people upset at some point. Uh, there's been criticism from the social conservative wing that he's not socially conservative enough. There's been certain discussions and, and certain things that he said in the past that seem to be changing. And that definitely plays a role in the way Canadians look at this. Now, we're not heading into an election that is going to be defined by the position of the Conservative Party leader on an issue such as pregnancy termination. It's not going to be that way. But it's the kind of thing that can galvanize the base and make people less likely to show up and vote. Uh, if the campaign goes the way the Liberals expect it to go, or the enemy, in a way, becomes the NDP, you could have a scenario where the conservative voter decides to stay at home and not cast a ballot. And that could be very detrimental for some of the people who are already in the House of Commons as conservatives. Uh, the biggest enemy right now for the conservatives is not Justin Trudeau, it's making sure that, the, that, that their own voters are mobilized enough to show up and to cast a ballot. And it's a process that is very complicated, especially when you have so many different statements on so many different issues from their leader. The, um, in the last election, it was clear that the Parti Québécois, or pardon me, the Bloc Québécois, I don't know why I call them the Parti Québécois. <laughs> it's like the, the farm team in a way, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, one's, one's <laughs> the franchise for the other. Um, th that uh, the Bloc actually were denying Justin Trudeau his majority government this time around. Um, what is the possibility here that Jagmeet Singh and the NDP do that to Justin Trudeau this time? Well, there's certainly a bigger chance of that happening uh, than the bloc essentially becoming the one party that actually stops them from having that majority government. Uh, we've seen the numbers in Quebec uh, trending downward when it comes to separation. Uh, we saw the Parti Québécois do very poorly in the last election. And we have seen the emergence of Quebec Solidaire as a party that is supported by the younger people in Quebec. Uh, it's a party that could become a major force in the next election if they continue to engage with voters in a way that is more palatable and certainly not as terrifying for many as the idea of a Quebec that secedes. Uh, that is definitely a group that, that is there for the taking. Um, at first, I thought maybe the Green Party would be the one to do that properly. We know that uh, the environment is a big issue in Quebec. But you are bound to have a lot of those voters from Quebec solely there, young voters, first-time voters, looking at the Liberals as an option. So that effectively deflates what is happening with the Bloc, and I don't expect that to change drastically over the course of the next month. Um, the NDP is a very interesting situation. Uh, particularly because they are going after the vote in urban areas. And that is where the Liberals got their majority back in 2015, recovering some of those lost districts in Metro Vancouver, in the greater Toronto area, uh, to a lesser extent in the first election in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, they may not be at, at uh, it may not be the same situation this time around when it comes to winning seats in Alberta. 
Um, but if the NDP starts to campaign very heavily on some of those areas that the Liberals require, then um, we may have a situation where you lose some of those seats, maybe not enough for the NDP to form the official opposition, uh, but definitely taking away some of those seats from the Liberals. And we are back where we started, except with more NDP seats and fewer uh, conservative seats. Yeah. Um, in the last election, we looked at the uh, fledgling People's Party and said, well, you know, that they could really take a lot out of the Conservatives this time around. Are they any kind of a factor? I don't think they are. Uh, if anything, uh, there was an opportunity uh, for the libertarian forces of the country to coalesce around the idea uh, that uh, we need to be freer. And uh, the COVID-19 pandemic presented a great chance for that to happen. We really haven't seen the numbers move so much as the pandemic progresses. I think there was an expectation on some quarters that maybe because we are having this discussion about mask mandates and whether you want to be vaccinated or not, maybe that would bring them to maybe five or six percent or maybe seven percent. Uh, if anything, the pandemic has shown uh, that the libertarians are a wonderful force on social media, but certainly not enough when it comes to actually casting ballots. And we still need to see whether this is a party that is capable of running candidates in every part of the country. Uh, they were very good at getting people to essentially participate in this process uh, two years ago. Uh, but, you know, it's very difficult to find people to do that this time around when you know that there's some libertarian candidate whose name is going to be in Wikipedia forever as the number five or six finisher in a specific writing. So finding those candidates, and I'm not even saying star candidates, but finding people who are willing to put their name next to the People's Party is not going to be easy this time around. So if the Conservatives were perhaps looking a little bit over their shoulder at the last election at the People's Party, the NDP might have been looking over its shoulder at the Greens. Looking over its shoulder anymore? No, and you know one of the reasons for this is that uh, well we've had all of these negative stories coming out of the Green Caucus, the fact that they lost one of their seats, um, the situation related to enemy poll and the leadership, and I think the Greens are forgetting what made them successful in the first place. Uh, you need to find an area that is very environmentally friendly, run the candidate there spend uh, more money than you probably should in order to get somebody elected and then maybe in the next one or two elections get somebody from that area to expand uh, your reach uh, that's what elizabeth may did and they're going back to what elizabeth may did in the first election well i'm from nova scotia i'm going to run in nova scotia i don't care this is the place where i want to do this and even though they had that uh, sort of deal with the liberals not to run a candidate she ended up losing that seat um, I think the, the right course of action for the Greens would have been to find a suitable, environmentally friendly riding in Quebec, maybe a place where Quebec solidarity did very well, and then try to figure out whether you can win that seat by campaigning exclusively there. Uh, running in Toronto Centre is not the best course of action, uh, especially in an election like this one. So the main problem for the Greens is we have all of these conversations happening about climate change and about all of the things that need to be done, but they're not finding the place where the audience is ready for that type of idea. Um, and I don't think the NDP is really looking at the Greens as their main rival in this election, uh, but that will be decided in the first couple of weeks of the campaign. If we start to see liberal ads targeting the NDP, that's when we know that it's a serious challenge. Yeah. 
Um, is this simply going to be a referendum on the pandemic handling by Justin Trudeau? That's what they want it to be, uh, because they've seen the, the major successes of other parties that decided to call elections or that had to, in the case of Saskatchewan, have an election during the pandemic. Um, it is the best file that they have, particularly because they can point to the fact that they promised everybody would get vaccinated before Thanksgiving, and we're heading very closely to that number. Everybody who wants to get a shot has been able to do so. Um, and it's not as if uh, Canadians were really hopeful that that, prof that that idea was going to happen. Uh, when we first asked about this uh, back in December of last year, we only had 45% of Canadians who thought that this was something that would be achieved. Uh, so, you know, you have a lot of people who were skeptical at first, who are now looking at the numbers and saying, well, this is a very good job. And now we're doing better than the Americans, which is, of course, our national sport uh, to compare ourselves with how the Americans are doing on everything. Um, it makes it a little bit easier for them to say, well, you know, let's let's give them another chance. I think this is something that worked very well. Um, all other aspects uh, still have to be dealt with. And I think this is why you had that very concerted effort on the part of the liberals to show up in places and to talk about transportation and to talk about childcare. You know, we are dealing with some of those issues that are not related to COVID and we're in a better position to implement these plans because we're already here. You want to take a shot with Erin O'Toole, be our guest. So these programs, transportation and childcare and so on, they, they cost money, I understand. Um, have the liberals been successful in this term through the pandemic? to turn the corner on any apprehensions that Canadians might have about the direction of public spending? Well, it's certainly a more palatable scenario for Canadians uh, than what we saw during the height of the global financial crisis back in 2008. Uh, at the time, the government had to go into the red, they had to spend more money. It's a conservative government which essentially prides itself in not spending more than what it has. And at the time, Canadians were more apprehensive because there was no emotional connection or personal connection with what was happening. Uh, what makes this different is we were all confined to our homes at some point. People had to work from home. Uh, people had to change the way they were doing things. And when the government says we're going to go into the red, you understand it's a lot easier because it's something that is affecting you or your family or somebody who you know very deeply. Uh, the days of running uh, a specific uh, campaign where you say that you're not going to be having a deficit and not spending more money are over because of the context of the pandemic. We may see something like that maybe four or eight years from now, but at this particular stage, it's not something that is going to get you votes. Yeah. So if, so if we start this campaign on the assumption that it is Justin Trudeau's to lose, how might he lose it? Well, I think there's a couple of factors uh, that could play against him. Uh, one of them would be uh, if something happens in the campaign, and I'm not suggesting it's you know pictures of him dressed or wearing blackface or whatever that is, because we know that it didn't work the last time. Uh, but it's mostly related to the comings and goings of the cabinet. I think part of the emphasis is going to be on certain decisions that the cabinet made, uh, certain moments in their past. Uh, we're going to have a, a brutal scrutiny of all of the candidates who are running. And we know that the first couple of weeks are always uh, heavy with stories related to what somebody said on social media, or what they did when they were 17 years old. Um, mm -hmm. That could be part of the derailment process. The other one would be 
if we start to have a larger discussion related to ideology, and you have a lot of people looking at the NDP as an option from an ideological standpoint, uh, essentially looking at the NDP as a party they would be willing to support because they assume that everything is done and that Justin Trudeau would win and you want to send a message by voting for the NDP, that could play a role in the way uh, certain seats fall. Uh, but, you know, going back to the example of the BC election, uh, they could actually expand because they're going into areas which they haven't really dominated in the past. I mean, 2015, the wave that uh, came about with Justin Trudeau mania uh, gave them a sit-in mission, uh, which would have been unthinkable uh, 10 or 12 years earlier. Uh, this time around, it's an area that decided to vote for the BCNDP because they felt that they were doing things properly, that you know the way in which this pandemic was managed uh, was certainly satisfactory. Uh, could you see some of those voters who went from the BC Liberals to the BC NDP provincially going now federally from the Conservatives to the Liberals? I think that is definitely one of the hopes. And that essentially leaves the NDP out of it. Uh, but it, it all depends on how the debates go as well, that what type of connection we can establish. You know, it's, I think it's a bigger challenge uh, for, for Jagmeet Singh in the sense that um, he's repeating the same scenario that we saw with Jack Layton in the first couple of elections. You know, he's definitely seen as more personable. Uh, people like him. They think he would be a better babysitter for their kids, a person they would like to hang out at a bar or a pub with, but they're not willing to give their vote to the NDP. Uh, so that's something that only happened to Jack Layton because Michael Ignatieff uh, was not the best leader that the Liberals could find back in 2011. So are we going to see some sort of fluctuation there where with the satisfaction with the opposition, whether it's O'Toole or Enemy Paul, or to a lesser extent, the bloc, uh, makes people look at the NDP as the option that they would support? It's possible, I think, that uh, this election will be the last one for all three of these people, right? Justin Trudeau may win and decide he wants to hang it up at some point. Iron O'Toole may not get a second chance. Jagmeet Singh may be out of chances. Likely? Likely if it's a majority. Uh, you know, Leighton had the advantage of being in a party that was facing minority governments consistently. So because you have the situation where the government might fall at any time, it's not the best moment to have a leadership race because you never know if the government is going to fall and that enabled them to be the leader all the way until 2011. Um, it's, I don't think the conservatives are going to be that kind with every no tool. I think there's certainly rumblings and discussions about people from provincial politics in specific parts of Canada uh, who could be looking into the federal conservative race as something they would be interested in if and when Erin O'Toole steps down. Uh, and for Justin Trudeau, uh, it would be essentially replicating what his father did, winning a majority in the first election, four years later, getting a minority mandate, two years later, getting a new majority. He decided to lead the party in 1979 and lost the only election where he ever led the party. Uh, is this a lesson for Justin Trudeau? Is it more about, you know, use the next four years not to prepare yourself for more, even though you're young, you could still run the show, uh, but to actually have the party in a place where it can withstand what's happening. Uh, it's not something that they did remarkably well. He did end up going back in 1980 and running the party one more time, um, but it's um, certainly a possibility. And, and there's also the discussions within the party related to some sort of generational shift. Uh, it's uh, not only generational, but also gender. Uh, you know, is it time to have somebody 
who is not a man uh, leading the Liberal Party of Canada. And those are discussions that would enhance the moment the election is done. Well, not to get too presumptuous, but I, I think if we start hearing in about two years' time that Justin Trudeau is going on an international tour to build <laughs> world peace, we, we, know, we know he's going. Okay. Mario, always good to see you. Uh, thanks a lot for your help today. And uh, we'll look forward to this election. It, you know, it's always fun to, to watch a campaign, um, even if we don't really need it. <laughs> Thank you, Kirk. We'll be here. Mario Canseco is president of Research Co. I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief at Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching today.